Well, welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. My name's Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to kick off a new series entitled The Christmas Story. I'm a big fan of Christmas. I love the lights, the smells, the sounds of Christmas. Any other Christmas fans out there? I mean, Christmas is just a wonderful time of year. And one of my favorite things about Christmas are the Christmas stories. I mean, these classic Christmas stories that remind us of the meaning of Christmas. Let me just rattle off a few, see if you have seen these films or heard these stories. One is, It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody seen the film, It's a Wonderful Life? This great story about, uh, what's his name, Bailey. George Bailey, George Bailey, this guy who wants to lasso the moon, but he's working at this savings and loan, and uh, he he has this, he wonders if his life is ever going to make any difference in the world, and he meets Clarence, the angel, and he, he shows him what his life would be like if he never existed. It's this great, classic Christmas story. How about this next one? A Christmas Carol. Anybody seen this one or, or read this story? Charles Dickens, this great, classic Christmas story about... Ebenezer Scrooge, another businessman who's rather funeral, and, and he gets these series of ghosts that, that warn him to change his ways. Remember, it's the ghosts of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And eventually, Ebenezer Scrooge wakes up, and he changes his ways, and he lives his general life, giving Christmas dinner to the Cratchit family. Here's another one that I like. It's a Christmas story. Yes, thank you. That's one of my favorites. A Christmas story. It's about Ralphie. And Ralphie, what does Ralphie want for Christmas? It's a, a Red Rider BB gun. And his parents, you know, say, you can't have it because you're going to shoot your eye out. And sure enough, he gets the gun and he does shoot himself in the eye. But it's this great Christmas, classic Christmas story. And these are just some of the few. I mean, there's other ones like the Abominable Snowman, right? And then you got the Peanuts Christmas. And then there's the Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And then Elf. And then you can't forget Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the whole Santa story. I mean, there's these great classic Christmas stories. There's one thing that all these Christmas stories have in common. Besides being around Christmas, the one thing that they have in common is that they're all fiction. That none of them are true. I mean, certainly some of them have great moral truths, but none of them are based on fact. None of them are historically accurate. None of them are true. And oftentimes, sometimes when we hear the story of Christmas, the birth of God, the life of Christ becoming a baby, we lump the Christmas story with all these other Christmas stories. I mean, maybe because we've heard the Christmas story very frequently, or maybe because we just, contempt, we just categorize it with all the other stories that we hear during the Christmas season that we don't believe, we don't internalize the Christmas story. And we must admit, it is sort of an epic story. I mean, God becoming a man, being born in a virgin. I mean, angels declaring, wise men traveling great distances, following a star. I mean, it is a grand, epic story. And sometimes it's hard to believe. Sometimes it's hard to internalize and participate in this epic, grand Christmas story. Sometimes we lump the story of Christmas with all the other stories of Christmas, and we don't internalize it, we don't believe that it's actually true. But what if we did? What if we did internalize and participate in the story of Christmas? How would that change our relationship with God? I recently uh, watched a film earlier this summer called Big Fish. And it's a rather odd film, but it's a great story. A story about a dad who's a big fish storyteller. He just tells these grand stories about these faraway travels that he did. And, and his son 
doesn't believe his father's stories. Now, growing up, he did. Growing up, he was sort of enraptured by his father's storytelling and all these great details and these adventures that he would go on. But he thought it was just about him. He didn't believe his dad. In fact, on his wedding day, his dad tells this big fish story and, and the relationship is broken. And the relationship between the father and the son is estranged for years until the father is on his deathbed. And the son returns to his father and he starts to do a little research on the stories that his dad would tell. On these epic grand stories of monsters and traveling to faraway places. And he learns that the stories are actually true. And it changes his relationship with his father. Instead of hatred and mistrust, there's love and respect. And the question that I want us to think about over the next few weeks is what if we believed the story of Christmas? How would that change our relationship with our Heavenly Father? If we believe some of these magical details about a virgin birth and this star and these travelers from a faraway land, how would that change our relationship with God? Moving from mistrust to trust to faith and hope and love. See, for the next few weeks, we want to study the story of Christmas. And we don't want to study it just to hear another nice Christmas story or maybe get a little moral truth that will help us with our lives. We want to study the lives of these characters that participated in the story of Christmas to expand our understanding of who God is and how we can join Him in the story of God. See, for the next few weeks, we're going to, story the story, we're going to study the story of Joseph and then the Magi, and then Mary, and then Elizabeth, and Zechariah, and Mary. And this morning, we want to study the story of Joseph. So if you have your Bibles, love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We uh, heard the story earlier this morning. It's on page 955 in your pew Bibles. The words will also be on the screen. But I love this story of Joseph. And as you turn there, I just want to remind you that the Christmas story is not the only story in the Bible, right? It's just one story and the grand story of God. Creation. God created everything. It was tainted by the fall. It's capable of redemption and final consummation. And in the middle of this grand story of God, there's this Christmas story, this wonderful Christmas story. And the Advent season is not just looking back at the birth of Jesus. It's also looking forward to the return of Christ. And we're in this spot where we can see his first coming and anticipate his next. And as we enter the Christmas story, there are some lessons and some truths that will help us follow Christ now and prepare for his return. So with that in mind, let's open up our our, our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Christ came about. This is the Christmas story story. Sometimes we overlook it. Sometimes we find it hard to believe, but it's one of the most dramatic stories that will change our relationship with God. His mother Mary was pledged to be, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, right out of the gates, this story gets juicy, doesn't it? I mean, Mary is a teenager. She's probably around 16 years old. And during that time, the teenagers would get married, not during our time. You know, teenagers wait a little bit longer to get married. But back then and there, teenagers would get get married. And then uh, it wasn't that she was just engaged to marriage. She was betrothed, which is this traditional way where the parents would make arrangements for the marriage of their children, which is 
quite interesting. I think about it often as I think about my daughters. But, it, but the parents would make the arrangements. And they would have the conversations. They would make the deals. And it was basically a done deal. Mary and Joseph were to be married. I mean, the invitations were out. The date was on the calendar. The party was set. And, and it was basically a done deal. They would become husband and wife. But then we read that Mary is pregnant. And Joseph is not the father. And the story gets juicy. I mean, right out of the gates. I mean, it's almost on the cover of People magazine. I mean, this, this story is better than Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys, isn't it? It is. I mean, this is juicy. I mean, this is scandalous. And this is a bit odd. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, God impregnated Mary. That's weird. That's odd. That's hard to believe. But that's the Christmas story. That's the Christmas story. And the story continues. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, oftentimes we read this, and we have read this for for many, many times. We think that Joseph is such a righteous guy, right? He's such a good man. He's such a righteous dude. I mean, he doesn't want to disgrace her. He's just going to do it quietly. But my question I want us to think about this morning is simply this. How righteous is it to divorce the woman that you love in her greatest time of need? How righteous is it to break up with a signal, a single pregnant girl? How righteous is that? You see, Joseph knew the implications of his decision. Joseph knew that if he divorced Mary and broke off this betrothal, this engagement, that Mary probably would never get married. And that when Mary's parents were old enough that they couldn't care for Mary anymore, she would be left out in the streets. I mean, it was very difficult for anyone to get a job, nonetheless a, 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 a woman with a, with a child. And then she's, she's unwed, she's, she's got a child, she's uneducated. And then you know that Joseph knew the scriptures. I mean, he knew that if he divorced Mary, that she, an unfaithful woman, could have been stoned to death. He knew the shame and disgrace that Mary would carry for the rest of her life. And because he was righteous, because he did not want to associate himself with a shameful woman, because he didn't want his reputation tarnished by a pregnant girl, because he did not want the disgrace, he decided to divorce her quietly. See, make no mistake about it, there is nothing righteous about divorcing a signal pregnant girl. It's just not. What Matthew is doing in this, in, this, in this writing is he's contrasting Joseph's righteousness with Mary's unrighteousness, with Mary's disgrace. And, 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 he's, and he's saying Joseph did not want his righteous name connected to a single young pregnant girl. Joseph did not want to bear Mary's disgrace because eventually people would find out. I mean, people could count back then, right? The wedding's in August, the baby comes in December, they do the math, and they figure out, oh, you're that type of couple. You're that type of man. You're not very righteous. 
See, because Joseph did not want to bear Mary's disgrace, he chose to divorce her quietly. There's nothing righteous about divorcing Mary quietly. The right thing to do, the righteous thing to do, is to do what the angel told Joseph to do. Verse 20 says this, But after he had considered this, this being divorcing his wife, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. I love what the angel says to Joseph. Did you hear what, did you hear what this angel said? He says, Joseph, you're a coward. He says, Joseph, you're a coward. What are you so afraid of? Why are you so afraid? Don't be afraid. All you're doing is thinking about yourself. All you're doing is thinking about your reputation. All you're doing is thinking about your name and your future. And you're not thinking about Mary. Don't be afraid to marry a pregnant woman. Don't be afraid to get married. Now, I can relate to Joseph. Not that my wife was pregnant before we got married. But I can relate to the fear the fear that comes upon you when you think about this decision that lasts for the rest of your life, right? It's the second most important decision of your life, this decision to get married. And one day before I got married, I got cold feet. I was living in Chicago. I was doing work with World Relief, enjoying life in the city, doing ministry, loving God, and I got cold feet. And uh, I, was, I was questioning, is she the one? Is she the one that I am to spend the rest of my life with? Is she the one that I, that I can love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love this person? Will she help or hinder me in my relationship with God? And I actually broke off the relationship and I was going through this turmoil and I was deeply afraid. I was afraid of marriage. I was afraid of commitment. I was afraid of intimacy. And a buddy called me up on the phone. Uh, Christine actually called my buddy to say, Chad, it's just gone. You need to talk to this guy. And, and uh, my buddy calls me up and he says, Chad, what are you so afraid of? You're like a little bunny running towards the hills. You've got nothing to be afraid of. She's a fantastic girl. Marry the girl. You know, she's going to help you in your relationship with God. And he was right. And we got married. But I was afraid. And fear is a very, very powerful emotion. Fear can prevent us from doing that which is what we know is right and good. The fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of intimacy, the fear of, of stepping out and doing what you know to be right can, can prevent us from following God. And Joseph was afraid. He was afraid to take Mary home as his wife. He wasn't afraid of the angel. He was afraid of getting married. He was afraid of the disgrace that he would bear in marrying a pregnant girl. And, and, and we can relate to that. I mean, marriage is difficult. Life is difficult. I mean, not just the decision to get married, as, as tough as that is, and the sacrifices that that, that requires. And, and there's also other things that are challenging. I mean, singleness is difficult. Raising children is of doing the right thing is always, always difficult. And yet, God called Joseph to do something very difficult. He called Joseph 
to absorb the personal pain of his fiancée's pregnancy and the public disgrace of Mary's pregnancy. He called Joseph to absorb the personal pain and public disgrace of his fiancée getting pregnant. But the angel, the angel calls Joseph out. The angel speaks into Joseph's heart. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be a coward. Do the right thing. Marry the girl. And then the angel gives an explanation. And I love this angel's explanation because Joseph was probably a logical guy. He's probably a good thinker, bright guy. And he's probably questioning, why should I marry Mary? You know, why should I marry Mary? And the, and the angel answers that question. He says this, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why? Because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that cleared things up for Joseph, Right? I'm sure that just made everything just fine. You know, God got my fiance pregnant. I mean, that is a bit hard to swallow. I mean, you can just imagine Joseph at the next house party, right? He's talking with his buddies, and his buddies are kind of pointing, you know, you know, and, and, and he says, but me, yeah, I didn't do it. And they say, well, who did it? Well, God did. God impregnated my fiance. I mean, that is hard to swallow. I mean, it's hard to understand. It's hard to believe. And I think that's the point. I think that's the point because sometimes life is hard to understand. Sometimes there are unanswered questions in life. We don't always get our answers to our questions in life. It's just not the way life works. Life doesn't always make sense. It's full of unanswered questions. Why one person gets pregnant and another person doesn't. Why one person has cancer and doesn't. There's all sorts of unanswered questions in life. It's full of challenges. It's a riddle. Life is a riddle. It doesn't always make sense. But what I love about Joseph, what I appreciate about Joseph, is he didn't let his unanswered questions prevent him from following God. He didn't let the mystery of the incarnation prevent him from stepping out in faith and doing what God had called him to do. He had his doubts. He had his fears. He had his questions. But that didn't prevent him from entering into the Christmas story, from participating in the story of God. You see, you don't have to have all your questions answered to follow God. You don't have to have all your theological ducks in a row to put your faith in Christ. You can bring your challenging questions. You can bring your fears. You can bring your doubts. Joseph did. That didn't prevent him from following God. With a very limited amount of information, he stepped out in faith and he entered the Christmas story. And what I have found in my life is that oftentimes understanding God's will is retrospective. It's after I put my faith in action, after I step out in faith, after I trust that nudge or that prompting or that word from God, and I step out in faith and I do what what is right and what God's called me to do, I look back and I say, oh, that's why God called me to do that. That's what that prompting meant. Those are the implications of that decision for doing that. Which Understanding God's will is always retrospective. On this side of this prompting, this nudge is, is faith. On this side is understanding. And it doesn't prevent us from stepping out 
in faith. See, understanding God's will is always retrospective. It always comes back and looking back and seeing how God worked in our lives and in those decisions. But the angel, the angel called Joseph out. The angel spoke into Joseph's life. The angel said, don't be a coward. Don't be afraid. Even with your limited amount of information, even, if, even though you don't understand exactly what God is doing in your life or in this world, marry the girl. Step out in faith. Don't miss out on your opportunity to participate in the story of God. But the angel didn't just stop there. The angel calls Joseph to step out in faith, and then he invites Joseph to give up his authority as a father. Check this out. Verse 21, it says this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You're to give him the name Jesus, Joshua, a very common name. You're to give up your right to name a child because God told you to do that. You see, like today, parents named their children. And the father had the privilege, the right, the authority to name his son, to name the child. I mean, naming a child is is such a privilege, such an honor. It's like kind of the, the first big decision you make as a parent. Right? I remember naming our kids. I, I would just, Christine and I, we would just wrestle, you know, you know what? We, we, we did a little research on the book of names, and then we would study the scripture, and we interviewed family and friends, and we, we, we labored over what we would name our child. Because it's a big deal. It kind of marks the kid for life. And, 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 and it's, it's a huge responsibility. It's a great privilege. And the angel took it away. The angel says, I don't want you to name this child. I want you to submit to God's authority and name the child Jesus. You're not only, I'm not only calling you to live a courageous life. I'm not only to, calling you to submit to the Father's will. I'm calling you to give up your rights and fully submit to God's authority. See, that's what it takes to enter the Christmas story. This full submission, this total dependency, this giving up our rights to participate in the story of God. See, God instructed Joseph to fully submit his rights, to acknowledge God's authority in his life. See, oftentimes when we make decisions today, it's just me, it's just my stuff, my family, my time, my money, my kids, it's just my plans. And we forget that the life of faith is a life of full submission. It's doing what God calls us to do. It's living a life of full surrender, total dependency upon the promptings and the voice and the promises of God. See, then we read this response of Joseph. I just love Joseph's response. Verse 24, 25, you can jump down there. It says, when Joseph woke up. I just love that. When Joseph woke up. When Joseph finally realized that God is at work in the world, when Joseph understood that he's part of this great, big, grand story, when Joseph finally realized that God was at work in his life, he woke up. He woke up to a new reality. He he woke up and did what the angel commanded him to do. 
He took Mary home as his wife, as the scriptures say. He, he, he bore the shame. He took Mary home as his wife. He bore the shame and the public disgrace and the personal pain of having a pregnant fiance. And he submitted to the authority of his heavenly father. He, he gave, he, and he gave him the name Jesus. He obeyed his heavenly father. He obeyed the command of the angel. He submitted his rights to God and gave the name Jesus to this new baby that was born. See, Joseph heard the angel. Joseph heard a message from God. And he stepped out in faith. He responded with courage. He traded in the story of Joseph and his rights and his will and his plans for his future to participate in the story of Christmas. See, this is the Christmas story. This is the story of God. This is how we can enter into the story today. Submitting our rights, listening to those promptings, stepping out in courage and faith to do the right thing. Whatever that right thing is in your life, in your relationships. And what I find fascinating about this story of Joseph is that it took an angel. It took an angel, it took a messenger to speak into Joseph's heart, to speak into Joseph's life and to say, don't be a coward, don't be afraid, step out with your limited amount of information. Step out in faith and in courage to do the right thing. Don't miss out on your opportunity to participate in what God is doing in the world. It took an angel to speak into Joseph's heart. And I don't know what you're afraid of this morning. I don't know what challenges you face. I don't know what's going on in your life. Some of the fears that sometimes prevent you from doing what God's called you to do. I don't know if there are some tough decisions that you face at work or at home. Or maybe you're considering divorce. Or maybe your marriage is in crisis. Or maybe your kids are driving you crazy and you've got some tough decisions ahead of you. Or maybe your finances are are, are a mess. And you don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. Or maybe your health is in crisis. See, God's word to you this morning, God's message to you this morning is simply this. Don't be afraid. Do the right thing. Submit to your heavenly Father. Step out in faith and in courage because God is doing something amazing in this world and in your life. And a year from now, two years from now, five, ten years from now, you're going to look back at the decisions that you're making right now and you're going to say, oh, that's what God was doing. That's what God was doing in my life. That was God was doing in this world. That's how God used my obedience to bring about His kingdom on earth. So just like an angel spoke, just like a messenger spoke to Joseph through a dream, God speaks to us this morning. He says, don't be afraid. Do the right thing. Submit to God's authority. Even though you don't have all your questions answered, step out in faith. Be people of courage. Do the right thing in your marriage. Do whatever the next right thing is in your workplace. Because sometimes it's not this big, epic, cosmic decision that you have to make. Do I marry or not marry? Do I, do I take this job? Not so much just times it's these little, little decisions. 
that up to that add up to a life of faithfulness. So do the right next thing in your relationship with your spouse. Do the right next thing in your relationships with your parents. Do the next right thing at your workplace. Submit to God's authority. Trust that He is doing a work in you and through you to bring out this cosmic grand story of God. Participate in the story. Don't let this Christmas season just be about elves or it's a wonderful life or Christmas presents in life. Let your heart internalize the true story of Christmas. May your life be characterized by faith, by belief in the true story of Christmas. And may your relationship be marked with your heavenly Father by one of love and hope and trust. As the worship team comes up, I just want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word to us this morning. We're so thankful that an angel came and spoke to a man named Joseph. And he obeyed. And he stepped out in faith. And he didn't have all his questions answered. But what an example it is for us this morning. Because we all face tough decisions. We all have hard things going on in our lives right now. And I just ask that you would make us people of courage. People of faith. That we could actually believe and internalize the truths of the Christmas story and live lives that reflect this profound faith in a God who became a baby, that lived a perfect life, that, that, that died a brutal death so that we could have life eternal and abundant today. Change us, speak to us, move in us this day, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to receive our offering. An offering is just an extension of our worship. We believe that everything that we have belongs to God, and we just return back to Him a portion of our income to demonstrate our faith in God's provision.